Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. 630 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. Stopper at Rogers Place. It is a game night. It is the Edmonton Oilers, the Boston Bruins for the second time in a week. The Oilers coming from a, uh, a concluding a stretch where they were on the road for 17 out of 18 days and coming off of a huge rally against the best home team in the NHL last season, the Winnipeg Jets. The second hour of Oilers now brought to you by Digitex, trusted by 630 Chad. Digitex. Visit their new e-commerce site and order supplies, printers, and more at digitex.ca. We are going to head off on our uh, River Cree Resort Casino hotline, 780-496-0063. They've got Strange Love, the Depeche Mode experience. It's going to take place Saturday at the River Cree Resort Casino. Tickets at Ticketmaster.ca. It is time now for Brian Burke, presented by Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service, electrical prefabrication and solar. Brian, how are you doing? Good, thanks, Bob. Yeah. Uh, well, things have changed here at Edmonton, Brian. Oilers got a couple wins. Uh, they won ugly in New York. Uh, matinee on Saturday. And then they rallied for a, uh, a big win in Winnipeg, driven by uh, Connor McDavid. But fact is, that's a tough place for teams to win. So in your experience as a manager uh, in the league, can you speak to, uh, you, you know, when you're running teams, were, can you, were there a couple times you recall where your team kind of went, went on a run because of a, a big rally against a pretty good team on the road and you were able to use that and build some momentum and carry it forward? For sure, and I think you know what Connor did was amazing. But the winning goal by Darnell Nurse was really a piece of piece of art. It was great. It's a great goal. So that's a very difficult building to win in, and it gives them something to build on, and it highlights the the mood swings that happen in Canadian cities. You know, they go on two, and everyone's talking about uh, can they draft Jack Hughes, and <laughs> now all of a sudden they're saying, well, who are we going to play in the first round? So. That's uh, the way things go when you work in a Canadian market. It's uh, a great thing, too. Yeah. People love their team, 
So they overreact when they win and they overreact when they lose, and that's okay. Well, that's how we end up with two-hour uh, year-long uh, daily radio shows called Oilers Now. Like down in Alabama, it's called uh, Crimson Tide now. You know what I'm saying? So exactly, it, yeah. it, it comes with the territory. Uh, you served in management roles in Vancouver, in uh, Calgary, in uh, Toronto. Um, and it's, yeah, you guys had that. I, I was, <laughs> I remember where I was. And, uh, because of the uh, connection we had to, cause I did Joffrey's tournament for all those years. Speaking of Boston being in town, that, that heartbreak that, uh, you guys suffered. Was it 2013 where you're, you're up four one? I mean, the owners had something similar, uh, against Anaheim a couple years ago. And it, it really is a kick in the, you know what, isn't it? When that happens. Yeah, for sure, but it's uh, um, it's part of the game. And again, the, the reason it's exciting and fun to work in Canadian markets is because people love their teams. Hockey is not a sport in Canada; it's a religion, it's a cult, and so we get way more blame than we deserve when we struggle, and we get way more hype than we deserve when we win. But that's okay; it's 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 a great thing. You mentioned Darnell Nurse. I'm going to ask you a question about. Uh patience with defensemen and do you have a like Dale Talon's thrown out the 300 game mark do you have an approach when it comes to you know how long you know how long it takes you to evaluate what you really got with a, a, a D-man well I would say I would use Pat's yardstick Pat Quinn you know the late great Pat Quinn who was my boss in Vancouver he said it was five years in the show so that'd be 400 games so he'd be a little higher than Dale I think it's changed since since I came into the league in '87 as a as an employee, I think guys now are turning into competent, proficient, excellent defensemen uh, after three years pro. So I'd say it's it's closer not 300. I think it's closer to 240. And I think the the, the kids we're getting now that come from Europe, from the CHL, and from U.S. universities, they're just better and smarter and better prepared. Than, than they were a few years back. So I'd agree with Dale. I might shave it a bit, but um, the kids we're getting now, there's some marvelous young defensemen that have not played 300 games, but I think Dale's pretty close to the mark there. The game has changed, Brian. you got to be able to move the puck. you got to be able to skate. Uh, you know, when you broke in the league, I mean, a guy like Manny Viveros, who's an Oilers assistant, I played against him growing up. He was Bobby Orr. He was an unbelievable major junior defenseman, but he was too small to have played in the NHL in the mid-1980s to the late 1980s. Had a great career over in Europe. Well, now guys like that are called Eric Carlson, right? And so where I'm going with this is, uh, I'd like to get your thoughts. I mean, the U.S. has done a tremendous job. Uh, they are a 1A to Canada's 1. We've discussed that before. But in their system, they let their defensemen make plays in that U.S. national development program. You, you mentioned Europe, specifically Sweden. They all want to be Nick Lidstrom. Their D-men are allowed to make plays. And I want to see a scenario where in major junior in Canada, because I'm a big major junior guy, we got to let defensemen not, you know, they got to make plays and not be sitting there being coached to bang it off the glass and out. Do you think there's a little bit of a uh, a fundamental shift that needs to put, take place in, in uh, Canadian, and not every Canadian junior team's coached that way, but there still are some that are old school that are maybe living in the past when it comes to how they want defensemen approaching the game. Well, I think Canadian, the CHL is great. It's a great product. I, I love going to the games. Um, it's uh, I went and saw a game of the Niagara Ice Dogs play about a week ago, 10 days ago. I uh, wasn't working and saw they were playing and drove down. 
it was a big mistake because it took me three hours to get to St. Catharines on a Friday. It was, I should have been smarter, but um, the game was, was excellent. It's a great product. And I think Canadian Hockey League teams tend to coach on the cycle. So, you know, teams tend to load up, try and go for it. Then they have a couple years where they rebuild, and they might play a little different style or might play safer while they're rebuilding. But I went to two games in the OHL finals last year between the Sioux and Hamilton, and the D made plays. There was no stretch passes or no Hail Marys. Uh, they went, they moved the puck to a forward and joined the rush. There were four-man attacks at the blue line. It was tremendous. So I think it's I think a lot of good programs – at all levels, or you know, all across that spectrum, uh, college, uh, CHL, and Europe are all starting to let their defensemen make plays, and more importantly, let their defensemen join the rush and let their defensemen pinch down. You mentioned the term programs. I brought up Alabama and football uh, programs. When you were running management teams, how important was it? Like, you know, the owners have Evan Bouchard out of London. To me, that's about as pro run of an organization as you'll find in junior hockey. Is there, you know, does it get factored in when you're sitting there evaluating players for their draft? Absolutely. Absolutely. You'll hear a scout, he'll talk about a kid. He'll say there's this kid, Brian Jones. He's a left wing. He does this, he does this, he does this. And he's committed to, you know, at this point, most of those kids are committing to U.S. universities. He's committed to Michigan State, which has a real good program and a real good record of producing NHL players. Same thing. We'll be in a scouting meeting draft-eligible kid, they'll talk about him and they'll say, and he's in London. So he's going to get better. He's going to play with good players. He's going to get better. So there are pedigree programs that produce NHL players in volume. There are programs that produce star NHL players. Uh, there are programs that are known for developing Europeans, CHL teams that have great success with Europeans. So, yes, that's a factor. How much, uh, when you were in Toronto... Did you subscribe? Because I've used this this term before. Brian Burt joining us here on Oilers Now, brought to you by Canadian Power Pack. There is no salary cap on R&D, research Correct. and development. And when you're in Toronto, you got some advantages there, don't you? You do. But, but I also, um, people say, okay, uh, and this before analytics was big, obviously. And now I don't know how many people the Maple Leafs employ in analytics, but I, I hear it's a half dozen. Um, and they've added staff and rehab treatment and so on. I think you can overuse your funds, too. You know, the notion that you're going to get better scouting if you've got 22 people around the table instead of 16, I don't subscribe to that theory. Uh, I'll, I'd rather have 12 people who knew what they were doing than 22 that might or might not. So volume doesn't necessarily equal quality, but uh, you can certainly cover more ground. You can have more boots on the ground in Europe. You can have three or four part-time guys in Sweden. You can take advantage of having deep pockets, but I'm not, that's not a guarantee of quality to me. If you've got the right people, you know, you look at what Barry Fraser did for the for the Edmonton Oilers. He didn't have a big staff, and he found plenty of players. He found plenty of players early. One of the guys that he found was Grant Fear, and. Uh, Glenn Sather, in the documentary, uh, Making Coco, you know, Glenn Sather mentioned he saw Grant Fuhrer play twice and he stunk in both starts. 
and Barry Fraser trumped him and said, I've seen him play a hundred times, and he, we're taking him at number eight. Uh, one of the times that Grant uh, was seen by Glenn Sather, uh, Victoria lost 8-1. So on that note, when you were a, a general manager, and it, you know, hey, it'd be difficult because some of those years you're going right to the Stanley Cup final, uh, certainly with Anaheim back in 07, but did you get a chance to see the, you know, the certainly the guys that were maybe at the potential high end of the draft if they were still playing, I guess, hypothetically in this situation, junior hockey or even uh, college? Yes. You try to see the top guys, especially when you're having a real poor year and you're going to pick high. So, yes, you know, the year we took the Sedins, I saw them at the World Juniors. I saw them play five times. And then I went back over and watched them in the World Championships, I think, four games, three for sure. Um, you try to see the top guys, but at the end of the day, the scouts, A, see them more, and B, know what they're doing better than you do. And they see the whole movie. You know, they see the, the, the first scene, they see the titles, and they see the credits at the end, and you just get a snapshot. So you go in and see a guy score three goals, and you're driving back to wherever. So you're in Red Deer. You're driving back to the hotel at the airport in Calgary, and you're going on and on about this kid. He just scored three times. And, you're like, and the scout's like, He's got six goals, and it's February. You just saw half of his output in one game. You're like, oh. <laughs> no. It's the same thing with coaches. Your coach will come to you. You'll, you'll play the New York Islanders, and your coach will come to you and say, we got to get this guy. The guy just had a great game against your team. But you've, you, your pro scouts have seen him play 20 games, and he hasn't had a good game until that night. And they're like, no, we don't want this guy. You just saw a snapshot. You caught him on a highlight reel night. He's actually a stiff. So you got to rely. You got to rely on your staff. I know Patrick Poulin. Remember him? He always scored against Edmonton. And I used to do Funk Warden stats for the visiting NHL teams in the nineties. And I'd always, every time Poulin came in, I'd pass this note like he just lit the Oilers up for fun. And the Oilers were playoff team in the late nineties, right? They were playing Dallas all those years. It was an unbelievable thing. And I mean, he was a decent third line NHL player, but against Montreal or against the Oilers, he looked like a, a first liner. Uh, look, Brian, we'd be remiss without mentioning the fact that you, you talked about the Canadian market and that it's a religion here. Uh, Elias Pettersson got hurt on the uh, weekend. He's a fantastic player. Adam Larson says he's the best skilled Swedish forward that's been uh, come out the last several years. There was a comment made, and I don't know who said it, but it was an executive saying, well, uh, injured Canadian star, more focused. That's why Matheson got a two-game suspension. You've been on both sides of this. You've worked for the league, and you've been a – I recall your infamous uh, uh, or famous comments about the Sedins' uh, abuse that they took. And I love those guys because they truly were tough because they never changed their game even though they are getting hacked and slapped. That is the definition of tough. They kept on bringing it. So you've been on both sides. Is there a truism to the fact that Canadian uh, markets create a little bit more hysteria and focus when star players get hurt? Yes, they do, but I, I think the league is good at ignoring that kind of white noise. Like all the whining and gnashing of teeth that took place in Vancouver, uh, I, I think they ignored that. They they focused on the hit. Now, people ask me, was it two games enough for Matheson? Was it too much? And so I make full disclosure. My son Patrick works for player safety, uh, so I am reluctant to criticize player safety, but I have done it, and I will. The other disclosure is I don't quibble about one game either way. 
So if they give them two games and someone says it should be one, well, I'm not going to quarrel with one game. I wasn't in the hearing. Yeah. I don't know why they added a game on. No one's in the hearing but these guys. So I give them one game plus or minus. I don't say a word. I thought he was going to get one. I'm fine with two. Um, it was a. What I like is the one distinction they made that I agree with and really believe is it wasn't a hockey play. It was not a hockey play. So last night, Charlie McAvoy hits Johnny Gaudreau. It's a hockey play. Yep. To me, it's it's nothing. The body slam on Pedersen's a little different. I can live with one. I can live with two. I saw Jason Smith body slam. You know, sick. Now I want you to know this. Right, he, he he did that play a hundred times. That was part of his repertoire. That said, in this day and age, I mean, I tweeted out to me it was a, a suspension worthy play for the exact reason because it was it wasn't a hit. It was the body slam after, and it was, you know, it was a version of a of, of a slew foot really. Like we don't like it wasn't a true slew foot, but it was kind of just because of the position that he had Pedersen in at the time. Brian Burke joining us right now. Uh, Defending the Sedins, because it was, you know, we had Wayne Gretzky around the Oilers. By the way, they're 2-0 and when Wayne's uh, traveled uh, with uh, with the team, so maybe we need to have Wayne a bit uh, around a bit more. But just uh, uh, Wayne had that uh, fiery, uh, fearsome uh, deal back in 2002 in Salt Lake. And I seem to recall Brian Burke bringing it one time pretty good defending the two Sedins as well. Well, we, it was in the playoffs against uh, Detroit and... When you played Detroit back then, we talked about it as a team. You had to kill one extra penalty minimum every night. They got the refereeing, which elite teams get. And I said to our guys, we'll get there too. But top teams get a break on the officiating. They've earned it. We'll get there. But for now, we're going to have to kill one extra penalty. But the extracurriculars after every whistle, the Sedins were getting headlocked and punched. And we were up 2 nothing in that series. We went down 2 nothing. Danny Cloutier led in an awful goal yep. by Nick Lidstrom from center ice. And I felt I had to change the, try to change the, the current of that series. So I gave the famous rant about officiating. Included was Sadine in English does not mean put me in a headlock or punch me in a scrum. I got fined by the league, and that was the last rant I've done, I think. Well, until you get fired up on the panel sometime, and then we want rants from you. Isn't that part of uh, yeah. what Brian Burke brings, a little bit of bluster? Uh and I, I have a saying on the broadcast, and, and the Oilers have the second youngest team, but veteran teams get veteran calls. Do you believe there is a uh, a comfort level between officials and veteran players in the league? And and I bring this up because I watched the Oilers in the 80s, and when they were this young, cocky team in the early 80s, maybe the Islanders got a couple more calls. But by the time the Oilers had established themselves as a dynasty, I can tell you against Boston in 88 and 1990, I'd say, even though I'm an Edmonton guy, yeah, the owners got a few calls. I mean, does it kind of comes with the territory, doesn't it, Brian? It comes with the veteran players, and it comes with your team being an elite team. Elite teams get get calls, and any official listening to this will be grinding his teeth. But it's a fact of life, and we have the best officials in the world. If you want to see, if you think you see bad officiating, go anywhere else but the NHL. Our guys are phenomenal. Where the where the issue comes in the building. They get almost all of the flagrant fouls. Yeah. The issue the issue comes in the building on what I call coin toss calls or fifty fifty calls. So I trip you. It uh, maybe a penalty. Maybe it's not a penalty. And the veteran teams, the, the the elite teams, they probably don't get that call. In other words, their player trips a guy. It's a fifty fifty call. They might get a break, and a struggling team might not. But the officials not doing it to screw anybody or to favor that team. It's just 
you earn a certain level of play, you earn a certain level of respect, and as your team gets better, some of those calls start to go your way. And you've earned that. I don't have a problem with that. I didn't have a problem with it when I, when I had a struggling team. But I didn't have a problem with getting those calls sometimes when I had an elite team. Brian, final one for you. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion because of Austin Matthews' unbelievable start for the Maple Leafs, and he's a stud. I mean, he can flat out shoot the pill. He knows how to change the release point when he's attacked. Like he's he's a fantastic player. Uh, there, you know, there's some sensitivities specific to the Toronto market, the Edmonton market. You get that. You've worked in Canada. I'd like to get your thoughts. Who's the best player in the NHL right now? Is it Connor McDavid? Is it Austin Matthews? Is it Sidney Crosby? Who do you think's the best right now? Well, the debate. I mean, I'd have to. If you were, if you were, ask me the best player in the NHL is right now. I'd have to say based on what he's earned. What Mike Babcock said is true. You say Sydney is the reigning champ now. People in Edmonton. The real debate that's going on here isn't who's the best player in the league. It's who's better, Austin Matthews or Connor McDavid. I give that edge to Connor McDavid. I think he's a fast, obviously a much faster player. But they're very different players. Austin is bigger. He uses his weight better. He does more in the corners uh, to, to win puck battles. And he shoots the puck way better. This kid's got an unbelievable shot. So I'd say the edge between the two of them goes to Connor McDavid. But as I said in a program earlier today, aren't we all lucky to be able to watch both of them? Do we have to pick a winner in that in that race? I mean, Austin Matthews, I, I get to see the Leafs play a lot. I love watching him. He's worth the price of the ticket every night. And Connor McDavid's the same thing. So we'll just let people argue about that. Uh, I'd give Connor the edge right now, but don't be surprised if Austin gets dead even with him quick or goes by him. Well, it's interesting because I love Bo Jackson as a kid, watching him play football. Every time he touched the ball, there was anticipation. And uh, you know what? Uh, because of that explosiveness, I think we're, we're, we're getting that too wherever Connor McDavid goes, and it's a, it's a great thing. Brian, we appreciate your time. We'll hook up next week, okay? My pleasure. Thank you. You bet. That is Brian Burke, presented by Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service, electrical prefabrication and solar. This is Oilers Now. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. It's 128 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Oilers Now, where guests receive gift certificates to Japanese Village. Steak and seafood cooked right at your table. Japanese Village, Edmonton, South, Downtown, and Northside, and in Sherwood Park. Now, you can text us at 630-630. This text comes in. Out of uh, White Court. Bob, just tuning in. I just want to comment on the Oilers' defense, but I have to admit I'm still very concerned about Matthew Benning and uh, Jason Garrison. I'm wondering your thoughts on whether or not we'll see Ethan Bear come up and do the Oilers start to look now for a trade to round out the D-line? Well, uh the uh, the Oilers, I put it this way. I do I think it's possible management's looking for a deal for defense. Yeah, I do, for sure. Do I think there's a lot of guys out there? No, I don't. It's very early in the season. Uh, do I think Ethan Bear is going to get games in the Edmonton uh, with the Oilers this year? Yeah, I do. Uh, I could see a scenario maybe by middle of November that Bear uh, would be back up here. Um, could be just as simple as Evan Bouchard gets a nine-game look-see over the course of 10 to 12 games, and then maybe Bouchard gets returned to London. But 
one of the things that's got to be mentioned is Evan Bouchard might be the Oilers' best defenseman at moving the puck right now. And he's back in tonight, Matt Benning to play as well. So uh, based on Gar- Benning being off early and Garrison out there fairly late for an optional, we could see a scenario where we got a couple right uh, shot D-man in one pairing and Nurse and Benning a pair of lefties in another. Off to a global news weather traffic update. We'll get to more text. We might even open up the River Creek Resort and Casino hotline. Uh, and uh, we'll hear from Connor McDavid as well after uh, Eileen takes us uh, with the global news weather traffic update. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.